जय राधा माधवा कुंजबिहारी जय राधा माधव कुंज बिहारी जय गोपी जन वल्लभ गिरिवर धारी जय गोपी जन वल्लभ गिरिवर धारी जशोदानंदन ब्रज जन रंजन जशोदानंदन ब्रज जन रंजन जमुनातीरावन चारी जमुनातीरावन चारी जय राधा माधवा कुंज बिहारी गोपी जन वल्लभ गिरिवर धारी जय गोपी जन वल्ला गिरिवरधारी जशोदानंदन ब्रज जन रंजन जशोदानंदन ब्रज जन रंजन जशोदानंदन ब्रज जन रंजन जशोदानंदन ब्रज जन रंजन ज 
ಯಮುನಾತಿರವನ್ನ ಚಾರಿ ಯಮುನಾತಿರವನ್ನ ಚಾರಿ ಜಯ ರಾಧವ ಕುಂಜ ಬಿಹಾರಿ ಜಯ ರಾಧ ಮಾಧವ ಕುಂಜ ಬಿಹಾರಿ ಜಯ ರಾಧ ಮಾಧವ ಕುಂಜ ಬಿಹಾರಿ ನಿಧಾಯ ಗೌರಪ್ರಮಾನಂದೇ ಹರಿ ಹರಿ ರಿಬೋ ಜಯ ಓಂ ವಿಷ್ಣುಪಾರ ಪರಮಹಂಸ ಪ್ರಿವ್ರಾಜಿಯ ಸ್ತೋತ್ರ ಸತ ಶ್ರೀ ಶ್ರೀಮಾದ್ His Divine Grace, Śrīla Bhaya Charanārvindam Bhaktivedānta Swāmī Maharāj, Śrīla Prabhupāda ki jāy, Ghrantarāja Śrīmād Bhāgvata Mahāpurāna ki jāy, Śrī Śrī Rādhā Kalachanji ki jāy, Śrī Gaura Bhakta Brinda ki jāy, Nitāy Gaura Pramānande Hari Haribo. All glories to the assembled devotees, Hare Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees, Hare Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees, Hare Krishna. All glories, all glories, Shri Shri Guru and Gauranga. Glories to you, Shri Hila Prabhupada. Hare Krishna. So this is uh, unusual times that we're living in now. Unprecedented in many ways. And it is described in our scriptures that just when the times are very unprecedented, especially when they're very difficult, the most amazing results are available to everyone and so i'm going to speak a little about that what are the amazing opportunities we have now that we are faced with these very challenging times of covid-19 of the pandemic where seemingly nowhere in the world anybody is able to predict what is going to happen how bad it's going to get when are we going to come out of it how is the world going to be now that we've gone through all of this what's going to change what's not going to change is the economy going to crash is everybody going to die you know so many issues are rising right now so let's speak from the shrimad bhagavatam 11th canto which actually addresses this very issue uh, in a very very amazing way so please repeat after me om namo bhagavate vasudevaya ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ಓಂ ಜ್ಞಾನತಿರಂಧಸ್ಯಾನಂಜನಶಲಾಖಾಯ ಚಕ್ಷುರನ್ಮಿಲಿತ ಯೈನ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರ
Shri Chaitanya Manovishtam Stapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupaha Kadamajyam Dadati Svapadantikam Vancha Kalpa Trubhischa Kripasandubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhya Vaishnavebhya Namo Nama Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Pishthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swaminiti Namine Namaste Saraswati Devi Guravani Pracharine Nervishesha Shunyavadi Paschatadi Shatarine Jaya Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara Srivasadi Gaurabhakta Brinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Jai Gurantaraj Shamad Bhaktama Purana Ki Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Shri Shri Radha Kalachanji Ki Jai Shri Gora Bhakta Brinda Ki Jai Itai Gaur Pemanandi Hari Hari Bol So this is uh, the 23rd chapter of the 11th canto entitled The Song of the Avanti Brahmana So there's a, a little bit of an introduction so it's good to know the introduction so it takes us to the verse So this chapter tells the story of a mendicant sannyasi from the Avanti country as an example of how one should tolerate the disturbances and offenses created by evil persons. So in our scriptures, something like a pandemic is considered to be a demon. And uh, the more powerful the demon, the greater the havoc that that demon is going to wreak. So how do you actually handle that situation? So the harsh words of uncouth persons pierce the heart even more severely than arrows. Yet a mendicant brahmana from the city of Avanti, even while being attacked by wicked men, considered this trouble to be simply the consequence of his own past deeds and tolerated it with utmost sobriety. Previously, the brahman had been an agriculturist and merchant. He had been extremely greedy, miserly, and prone to anger. As a result, his wife, sons, Daughters, relatives, and servants were all deprived of every kind of enjoyment and gradually came to behave unaffectionately toward him. In due course of time, thieves, family members, and providence took away the sum total of his wealth. Finding himself without any property and abandoned by everyone, the Brahmana developed a deep sense of renunciation. So we can see this is happening to a lot of people right now that they're losing everything. In fact, they're losing their life, or to speak of everything. And many people are really, really very, very uh, aggrieved right now, and very distraught. So he considered how the earning and preservation of wealth improve great effort, uh, involve great effort, fear, anxiety, and confusion. People work very hard for their success. Because of wealth, there arise 15 unwanted items. Thievery, Violence, lying, deception, lust, anger, pride, feverishness, disagreement, hatred, distrust, conflict, attachment to women, gambling, and intoxication. So we can see all of these are there right now in full play. When this meditation arose in his heart, the Brahmin could understand that the Supreme Lord, Sri Hari, had somehow become satisfied with him. He got the realization, so he felt, wow, the Lord gave me a realization here. He felt that only because the Lord was pleased with him 
had the apparently unfavorable turn of events in his life occurred. He was grateful that a sense of detachment had arisen in his heart and considered in uh, uh, and considered it the factual means for delivering his soul. In this condition, he determined to engage the duration of his life in the worship of the Lord, Sri Hari, and thus accepted the mendicant order of Tridandi Sannyasi. Consequently, or subsequently, he would enter different villages to beg charity, but the people would harass and disturb him. But he simply tolerated all this, remaining firm as a mountain. He remained fixed in his chosen spiritual practice and sang a song renowned as the Bhikshu Gita. So he sang a song, which is the Gita, like Krishna sang a song called the Bhagavad Gita. So this is the Bhikshu Gita. Bhikshu means mendicant, mendicant's Gita. Neither mortal persons, the demigods, the soul, the ruling planets, the reactions of work, nor time are the causes of one's happiness and distress. This is very important. How many times we hear in Hare Krishna, it's your karma. Here it's saying, not case, not your karma. It's directly saying that here. It's not what it is. <laughs> so really you can't be blaming people's karma for what is happening. It says here, rather the mind alone is their cause the mind. Because it is the mind that makes the, the spirit, the spirit soul, wander in the cycle of material life. The real purpose of all charity, religiosity, and so forth, is to bring the mind under control. A person who has already composed his mind in meditation has no need for these other processes. And for a person who is incapable of fixing his mind, there are no practical uses. There is no practical use. The false conception of material ego binds the transcendental soul to material sense objects. Devanti Brahman therefore became determined to bring himself over the insurmountable ocean of material existence by rendering service to the lotus feet of the Supreme Lord Mukunda. With the same perfect faith in the Lord exhibited by the great devotees of the past. Only when one can focus his intelligence on the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, can the mind be completely subdued. This is the essence of all practical prescriptions for spiritual advancement. And so how do we bring this to that stage? It's by the process of kirtan. This is what brings us to the lotus feet of Krishna. So this is Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 11, chapter 23, text 23. I'm just going to read the uh, verse and then the translation. Sarvag pavargayur dwarang prapya lokam imang pavan dravine ko anushajetta martyo anarthasya dhamini. Translation. What mortal man, having achieved this human life, which is the very gateway to both heaven and liberation, would willingly become attached to that abode of worthlessness, material property. Purport. This is by the disciples of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai. That which one intends to use for one's personal sense gratification is called material property. Whereas paraphernalia to be used in the Lord's loving service is understood to be spiritual. One should give up all one's material property by utilizing it completely 
in the devotional service of the Lord. A person who owns a luxurious mansion should install the deity of the Lord and hold regular programs to propagate Krishna consciousness. Similarly, wealth should be used to build temples of the Lord and publish literature scientifically explaining the personality of Godhead. One who blindly renounces material property without utilizing it in the service of the Lord does not understand that everything belongs to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Such blind renunciation is based on the material idea that, quote, this property could belong to me, but I don't want it, close quotes. Everything, in fact, belongs to God. Knowing this, one neither tries to enjoy nor to reject the things of this world, but peacefully engages them in the service of the Lord. Om Jnana Timirandhasya Jnana Janashalakaya Chakshuramilitam Yena Tasme Shri Gurave Namaha Nama Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prishthaya Bhutale Shimate Nama Om Krishna Goswam So the verse again Sarvaga Svarga Pavag Svarga Pavagayor Dwarang Prapya Lokam Imang Puman Dravine Ko Anushjatta Matyo anarthasya dhamini. What mortal man, having achieved this human life, which is the very gateway to both heaven and liberation, would willingly become attached to that abode of worthlessness, material property? This is what everybody is so attached to in their lives, material property. So here, there's this statement being made of pavarga and apavarga. So, I remember I gave a class on this topic of Pavarga and Pavarga in 2003, but today I got a little busy, so I didn't research it again. But I'll try and remember what I said in that class, because uh, it actually spells out the program very nicely. So, Pavarga has these syllables, Pa, Fa, Ba, sorry, Pa, Fa, Ba, Ba, and Ma. These five syllables. So, Pa means that one does parishrama. Parishrama means people work very hard in their lives to become successful. Really, very hard they work. And then pa is fanila, which means that they foam in their mouths because of all the hard work that they do. (laughs) They're foaming in their mouths because they're making so much effort that foam is developing in the mouth, just like um, the bull. When it's tilling the land, because it's carrying a lot of load, you know, it's a lot of force, so it starts foaming in the mouth like that. So humans do the same. They foam in the mouth, working really very hard. And ba means that uh, it's byartha. Byartha means it's all useless. It's all useless labor. For what? For what are they working so hard? Because ultimately they're going to die, right? So, you know, they cannot say that now that I'm dying, I'd like to take my Mercedes Benz with me. I'd like to take my beautiful wife or handsome husband with me. I'd like to take my bank balance with me. The nice car that I have, you know. One of the devotees gives a very nice example of New York because New York is considered like the capital of this world when it comes to being a great place. You know, it's like the best place in the world, New York City, like that. And so somebody has a mansion, mansion way up on the 50th floor yeah, and uh, but they don't realize that 
the ceiling that they have belongs to someone else because there's another floor above them, right? So the ceiling belongs to this. It's somebody else's floor. Their ceiling is somebody else's floor. And their floor is somebody else's ceiling. Their walls are somebody else's walls, you know? What they really own is the air in the middle, and they pay millions of dollars for that. They work very hard. And after working very hard, they, uh, you know, live in that, in that space, and they're so happy with themselves. They feel like, I succeeded. I have this wonderful space in New York City. I'm, I'm happy. I'm great, you know? And then, uh, that place is like a fortress, because if anybody want to come and visit with them, they'd have to come down there, and there'd be this whole series of buttons, you know? And you press the button, which is your friend's button, and you know, it'll make a, you know, that funny sound, eh, like that, you know? <laughs> and then the person will say, who is this? Because they're fearful, right? You see, that's bhaya. You know, the next one, ba is bhyartha, and then ba stands for bhaya. They're fearful. Who is that? And then the person says, oh, I'm so-and-so. And so, oh, it's my friend. Oh, okay, you can come in. Then another long sound happens. Like that, you know. And then while it's going on, you have to open the door. Because if that thing stops, you can't open the door anymore. You know, it's like a funny sound that happens. And that tells you you can open the door to get into the building, you know. And then you go up the 50th floor, right? Up to the 50th floor. And you go to the room number that it is. And then, you know, there's this little glass hole there. And suddenly it becomes dark because the person from behind is looking to see, who is it? Who is it? You know, <laughs> can't just let anybody into my place, right? And then he says, oh, it's my friend. And then you hear this sound, you know, five different locks being opened up. Clack, 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 clack. Bang, then the door opens. You know, it's like five locks are on the door just to make sure nobody gets into the place, you know. So living in fear like that, right? And then ma means that they'll die in this condition, this fearful condition they'll die. And when they die, what are they going to take with them? Nothing, right? They work very hard, and they're going to lose everything. You know, the example is given of Alexander the Great. You know, Alexander the Great was a very powerful person. Whatever the known world was at that time, he actually uh, was able to win over the whole world. He was able to uh, fight, and as a result, all the whole uh, known world became his. But when he was about to die, he told his people, when you put me in the coffin... I want you to put my hands out like this from the coffin. My hands should be outside like this. So he said, why? Why should your hands be out like that? He said, I want the world to know that I won the whole known world, but I left with my hands empty. <laughs> you know? Now we have an, a wonderful example in our scriptures, and that is of Hiranyakashipu, right? Hiranyakashipu was so powerful, he also accepted the Vedas, he also studied the Vedas, he lived his life according to the Vedas too. You know, you might say he was a devotee. The only person he really didn't like was Vishnu. He was okay with Lord Shiva, he was okay with Lord Brahma, you know, but he didn't like Lord Shiva, like Lord Krishna, and, and, and he didn't like anybody who became his devotee, that's all. But other than that, he was a very nice person. People loved him, you know. And he won the whole three worlds. I mean, Alexander the Great just knew, just won the known world at that time. Because at that time, not even everybody knew the whole world. They were still exploring some new places. You know, like America had not been discovered at that time. You see? So even off this whole planet, wasn't the whole planet that he was able to win over. But in the case of Hiranyakashipu, he won the three worlds. All the hellish planets 
All the multi-planet systems and all the heavenly planets. He won all of them. I mean, that's amazing, right? You think about it. Such a rich person. And then how did he end his life? He got squished like a bug between the nails of Nursingadev. You know, imagine a bug being squished. That was the end. <laughs> what a great result, right? You work so hard. You win all the three worlds and you get squished like a bug. You know? So, really, what is it? This pavarga, this an effort very much spent to actually win over material assets is actually an exercise in futility. It's a futile exercise. Now, does that mean that one should not work? One should not become rich? One should not become famous? No, that's not what it says. What it says is, apavarga is better, which means that when you do all of this, and you don't have to work very hard, there's a way to do it, and that's what I wanted to talk about. What is the way to do it, which is an easier way? You don't have to work like a donkey. You don't have to work like a dog, you know, and spend so much energy that vanilla comes out from the mouth, you know, you're foaming in the mouth. <laughs> Not like that. And then what happens, you can rise to, according to this statement, two places. What was the first one? Swarga. Swarga means the heavenly planets, or liberation. Liberation means now you're out of the material world. Right? So that's called upper varga. You're going up now. You see? You're increasing your situation. So what is it that one can do so that apavarga happens. So for this we should understand that our consciousness goes through many different levels. Our consciousness starts with the sense objects, like this is a sense object. So the consciousness at this level is called consciousness at the level of the sense objects. It's the first level. And then after that it rises to the senses, the senses that perceive this object, right? Our sight, our touch, our hearing, our taste, our smell. These are the senses. That's higher than the sense objects. You know, if you had to buy a phone like this, it would cost you how much? Say a thousand dollars, right? Let's just say a thousand dollars, round it off. If you had to buy an ear, how much would it cost you? If you had to buy an eye, how much would it cost you? It'd be like expensive stuff, right? You're talking expensive now. If you buy a mouse, <laughs> that's expensive, you know? So the senses are far more expensive than the sense objects. And then higher than the senses is the mind. If you had to buy a mind, how much would it cost you to buy a mind? Are you guys, it'd be priceless, right? You couldn't pay all the money in the world to buy a mind. That's how expensive it'd be. Who would create the mind in the first case? Who can manufacture the mind? So, you know, first of all, there's not even any body who can manufacture it, so you can't even buy it. Higher than the mind is the intelligence. So that's the fourth level. Higher than the intelligence is the false ego. Higher than the false ego is the consciousness. Then higher than the consciousness is the real ego. And then higher than the real ego is the soul itself. <laughs> and then higher than the soul is Brahmand. Higher than Brahmand is Paramatma. Higher than Paramatma is the Supreme Personality of Godhead Himself. So these are 11 different levels consciousness goes through. So those of us who know cars, I mean we all know cars, right? Every one of us drives a car, so we know what a car is. Imagine the car had 12 cylinders, right? And this is 11, but just imagine it's a 12-cylinder car. How well will that car run on three cylinders? What would you say? What would happen if you ran a car on three cylinders, but it was a 12-cylinder car? Huh? It wouldn't even start, right? Okay, now you go to four cylinders, what's going to happen? Still wouldn't work. Five? Wouldn't work. Six? 
7. No, it starts working actually. 7 and 8, it starts working, but it makes a lot of noise. That's all it does. Just makes a lot of noise, but it can hardly move. You know what I'm saying? But it makes a lot of noise. So you think something's happening, right? You see what I'm saying? And then when you get to the ninth and 10th, now the car is actually doing better. It can start moving, but it's making a lot of energy to move, and it doesn't move very well. Only when it gets all its 12 cylinders firing, does that car work nicely. You get the idea? So really, the way to become successful in life is to have all the levels of consciousness working. This is why the richest people in the world have always been Krishna's devotees. Because for them, all 12 cylinders are firing. Even the Lord is helping them. Why would the Lord help them? Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that Suridam Sarvabhutanam, I'm the best friend, the best well-wisher, the best lover of every living entity. So if you have the most powerful person in creation as your best friend, I mean, even in this world, if you had Bill Gates as your best friend, would you have financial problems? No. He's such a rich guy. You know, one time I heard a story of how he didn't check his bills under $50,000. It's too small. How many of us don't check bills under $50? You know, <laughs> you know, even $50 is too much for us, right? We have to check the bill, make sure we're not, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, in the, in, in the credit card statement, you check everything, right? So, He's so wealthy that he didn't. So he one time got scammed for $2 million because somebody was slowly scamming him under 50. You see what I'm saying? And then one time the guy who didn't know this 50,000 benchmark bought something that was more than $50,000. That's when Bill Gates found out. (laughs) Someone was scamming him. And the person already scammed him for $2 million in the meantime. You see? So then he got an accountant, paid him half a million dollars to check the bills under $50,000. Because it's cheaper, right? You save one and a half million dollars. <laughs> you know, paying half a million dollars to somebody, right? Check on the fifty thousand dollars. So you know, this is how wealthy he is. So if you are his best friend, best friend means he'll do anything for you, right? You won't have financial issues. So if Krishna is your best friend, you know, where is the question? It's a very wonderful Vedic story, and this actually happened in India. So there was this very, very wealthy person. You know, he had a mansion, really big mansion. So, so one of his friends went to visit with him in his mansion, you know, to see his mansion. So he walked in and, and, he, and he said, oh, you see this wonderful mansion? It belongs to Thakur. Thakur means Krishna. It belongs to Thakur. So then the person walked in and, you know, it was ornate, really ornate. You know, it's like wonderful items. In he says, all these items, they belong to Thakur. So his wife came and she was so beautiful, you know. Such a beautiful lady. And he said, this is my wife. And she belongs to Thakur. And then his children came in. Daddy, 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 you know. And really nice looking children, you know. He said, oh, these children, they belong to Thakur. You know. And then they went into this room that was their temple. In the temple, they had a nice, beautiful Laddu Gopal. He said, and he pointed Laddu Gopal and said, this is mine. How wonderful, right? Everything belonged to Krishna, but Krishna belonged to him. <laughs> My Krishna. And Prabhupada said that. Actually, when you come in front of the deities, you say to Krishna, Oh Krishna, I am yours and you are mine. I love you very much. Please, everything I do, please allow me to do that only to please you. 
I have really no other purpose but to please you. That is my life. This is how we should speak to Krishna. So this is what this verse is saying. That everything we do, if we do it simply for Krishna's pleasure, then Krishna will allow us to do anything because he knows that everything everything belongs to him. He says that, right? Bhokta Ramja Gitapasam Sarva Loka Maheshwaram. There's not a place that the a point of a needle can sit in creation that doesn't belong to Krishna. It all belongs to him. Sarva Loka Maheshwaram. And he's the enjoyer. So as the enjoyer, we let him enjoy what is his. But if we enjoy him, by serving him, we're enjoying him because he becomes happy. It's just like when you're with a friend, right? How do you enjoy the friend? You enjoy the friend by making the friend happy. Friend is happy, they smile at you, they laugh, and they joke with you, and you know, and then you feel happy because you made the friend happy. It's the same thing for us. We make Krishna happy, and as a result, we become happy. So, all these wonderful personalities in the past were very wealthy, like one example is Raghunath Das Goswami, right? He was so wealthy, actually. You know, one time, he uh, met the devotees, and he became very interested in devotion. So he wanted to leave home. So his mother said to the father, tie him up with a rope so he can't leave. (laughs) So the father said, all this money cannot tie him. He has such a beautiful wife, and she cannot tie him. How this rope is going to tie him? <laughs> you know? What the rope is going to do? How can he tie him with rope? When all the money that he has is so rich, the person was so rich, he was so rich, you can't imagine. Bill Gates is poor compared to how rich Raghunath Das Goswami was. That's how rich he was. There is no wealth on this planet that is as high as what Raghunath Das Goswami had in terms of wealth. All that could not bind him. Because that's what binds people, right? Their wealth binds them. The beautiful relatives bind them. Their position there uh, in society binds them. Rope is nothing. Rope somebody can easily get rid of. Those things to get rid of? Oh my God, that's very hard. You know? So then... One time, one very nice acharya, Nanan acharya, came to him and said, "You know, my priest at the temple uh, left the temple. You know how we sometimes have devotees doing service for the <laughs> deities. Say, okay, I'm not doing any more service. I'm going somewhere. You know, I'm gone. So you have to find a new devotee to actually new pujari to do the deity worship, right? So it happened at that time too. They used to lose pujaris, you know." So he lost the pujari, so he came and told the father, I really need a nice pujari, you know. Your son is really interested in Krishna consciousness. Why don't you just let him do some pujari work at my temple? So father said, yeah, that's fine. He can do pujari work, thinking that at least he'll stay home, right, if he does pujari work. So on the guys that he was going to the temple, he took off, you know. (laughs) Went on the side streets and just completely left the place. (laughs) Never came back again. Went straight to Mahaprabhu, you know, so that he can be with Mahaprabhu, like that. So actually, this is actually our process. Our process is to understand all the conscious levels that our consciousness deals with. Who are we as a whole person? Are we firing on all our cylinders? If we're firing on all our cylinders, then we're going to do a lot better. And we're going to be happy, just like the Avanti Brahmin. He was happy, he wasn't rich. He lost everything, but he was a very happy person. You know? In the end, he actually says a very nice prayer, which prayer now our sannyasis actually chant, you know? 
The sannyasis chant this prayer all the time. Yeah, it's actually verse number 57 uh, of uh, the same t- chapter, 11.23.57. The verse says, Itang saashthaya paratna nishthang adhyashitang purvatamer maharishibhi aham tarishyami durantaparang tamo mukundangri nishevayayva Translation, I shall cross over the insurmountable ocean of nations by being firmly fixed in the service of the lotus feet of Krishna. This was approved by the previous acharyas who were fixed in firm devotion to the Lord, Paramatma, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. See? So, sannyasis pray like that. And internally, Prabhupada said, we should all be sannyasis. Externally, we are who we are. But internally, we are sannyasi. Everything belongs to Krishna. And we are totally into Krishna like that. So, so in these difficult times, we have this wonderful, wonderful... Um, op- By the way, does anybody have a phone on which they can pull up uh, the uh, our Facebook page? Because people may ask questions on the Facebook page or make comments. If you can pull it up. If there is any question anybody has, we will answer them or anything that you can see. So anyway, uh, so in these very challenging times, uh, it is described that when situation becomes very challenging, if you do any service, you get special points in Golok Vrindavan. You know? Uh, you get very amazing wealth. Like if you do kirtan during these times, if you do japa nicely during these times, if you reach out to people and serve them in a way that they can become, they can also become uh, persons who come to know Krishna and become, you know, settled in their life, sane again, you know, like that. Any effort that we make in these directions, uh, Krishna becomes so happy. He actually creates this as a bonus time for the devotees. And the bonus is so powerful that if you die doing that at this time, you go back to Godhead. How nice, right? After all, that is our ultimate purpose, to go back to Godhead. I mean, dying is not such a nice thing to talk about. Nobody, you know, likes one of their friends to die, a devotee to die like that. But the devotees who die, making an effort to try and reach out uh, in service to Krishna like that, this time they get special bonus, very powerful bonus. You know, so this is an amazing opportunity for us. And for those who are materialists, who are not so much interested in Krishna, they are interested in the mode of goodness. This is the time for them to start learning information, getting knowledge that can uplift their life to the mode of goodness. And there are many, many programs going out there where people are talking now. Notice, a lot more people are online now talking on Zoom and other ways so that they can actually, uh, you know, learn something so that their lives can become better because it's very challenging times. On Wednesday, there's a, a group called Asia News. So they're asking me to speak to them. They're very big in India and very big in America, these two places. But, you know, the Indians like to listen to this type of thing uh, in the evening around their time, 9.30 to 10.30. And the Americans, they say, like to listen to this type of thing in the evening around 9 to 10. So if you speak during 9 to 10, you know, in the evening, American time. It, in India, it's too early in the morning. They're hardly woken up. So, you know, it doesn't work. So they asked me to speak twice in the day. 
one time at 11 o'clock in the morning, which is like 9.30 in the night in India, and another time at 9 o'clock in the night, so it's U.S. Uh, people can also see nicely, you know, like that. And so I'm going to be talking about stress. How do you handle stress? Because it's very difficult, right? Stress is... Uh, uh, it's very stressful for a lot of people, having lots of difficulties. Uh, a lot of uh, family violence is going on because the husbands are, uh, you know, they feel like cooped up at home, and so they take it out on the wife, they take it out on the children, you know, like that. So a lot of violence going on, and people are, you know, the health is getting poor, and they really can't go to the hospital because the hospitals are filled with people. They're trying to deal with the pandemic. So, you know, if you've got some other type of problem, you're sort of like, you're nobody, you know, no time for you. We're only handling pandemic people right now, you know what I mean? And people feel so sick all the time, right? So, you know, how are you going to handle the situation? Now, amazingly, something is happening in India at this time, and that is, after they locked down India, and they really did a total lockdown, it's amazing how India did it, just a total lockdown, it's just hard to understand how they can do it, 1.3 billion people, you know. And in, in a lot of ways, India are the most undisciplined people in the world, you know. You'll have a one-way street, and the cars are going the other way on a one-way street, you know what I mean? And all they do is they honk, and they have their hand out, and they even give leg signals, you know what I mean, <laughs> to stop somebody so they can do the, go on the wrong way and things like that. So I'm surprised how they're able to do it, but they're able to do it, you know. Uh, I just was speaking to a friend, and they say, I said, how do they do it? He said, they make murgas out of people. I said, what does that mean? He says, well, what happens is, when they catch somebody on the street, they make him squat and hold their uh, ears like that, and, you know, go like this. You know, it's like chicken, go chicken. You know? <laughs> and people are going on the street, see who's being doing this, doing that, right? <laughs> so they laugh at those people who are doing it. So that's what they're making people do if they catch them on the street without proper business. So, you know, people are staying home because they don't want to be made murghas, you know. <laughs> so one of the things that's happening is an amazing statistic, okay? In America, because of uh, the pandemic, there are many people dying, right? America has the highest number of people dying. And the death rate in America is going up, meaning because of the pandemic. In India, the death rate is going down. The, the, the net death since the lockdown is less than the death before the pandemic. Place like Gujarat, they say, has a 65% drop in their death rate. Means 65% less people are dying. Whereas everywhere else, the death rate is going up, India's death rate is going down. So we tried to find out why. So they said, because now people are not traveling on the streets. There are not so many accidents. You see? Because in India, people drive terribly. We know that, right? So a lot of people die on the streets in accidents. So now all the streets are shut down. Well, sorry, there's no accidents. There are no train accidents. They say every day in India, 2,000 people, I think it's Mumbai, just in Mumbai, not even the whole of India. Mumbai, every day 2,000 people die as a result of train accidents. Every day. And all that stopped. Because the trains are not moving. No train accidents. <laughs> It's amazing, isn't it? What, what a situation like this can do to people. So, anyway, so, but, but people are stressing because what do you do at home? 
you know, twiddle your thumbs all day long. What do you do at home, you know? And things like that. And then there are certain sections of the, of the, of the city, they just completely lock them down and they send food into that section and say, you can't come out. We will send the food in. Don't worry about it. You know, they're poor people and they sort of give them a lot of food, but they can't come out of that area. So they contain everybody, you know, like that. So all these difficulties are going on. So how do you actually control your stress? In these times, I'm going to be talking about that, you know. But the thing is that in talking about that, they'll come to know about Krishna. They'll come to know about Krishna consciousness. Because, you know, they're billing me as the temple president of the Dallas Hare Krishna temple. So they're not billing me because, you know, I I know about stress. I speak about stress, which I do anyway to people, even to psychiatrists, because a lot of psychiatrists actually uh, suffer from stress themselves. Actually, some of them become suicidal. And I'm one of the few people that people turn to, these psychiatrists become suicidal, so we can actually show them how to get out of that situation. Just last week I did one, you know. Since the pandemic, I've done three. In a whole year, I normally do two or three, but now in the pandemic, within one month, I did three. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's a difficult situation, you know, like that. So um, that is also there, that we actually know how to handle our stress. But more importantly... There are people who are doing extremely well in this situation. They're sitting at home and doing things. I had a friend, and her name is Andrea. Some of you might know her. She comes to this temple once in a while, and she handles Facebook. You know, she does things on Facebook, and Facebook is really good. But now she's sewing masks, and you know, she hopes to make tons of money just selling the masks. She's so she's smart, so you know how. You can sell things through Facebook and YouTube and eBay and all that. And she's a smart girl, you know. She says, figured it out. And she says, I'm just sitting at home and doing that. So, you know, people are doing amazing things, sitting at home now, doing things, you know, that are very amazing. And, you know, we're reorganizing this temple. We're going through some really major reorganization. In fact, you'll hear about it by next week or something like that, how the temple's going to be very, very organized in very in different way. But, you know, in this temple, in the past, before the pandemic started, 90% of our services were in person, right? You came to the temple, you take part in a kirtan, you come to a festival, but it's all people around you, right? There's so many people around you, so it's always in person. Even if you're talking to anybody, counseling, it's in person. And 10% was done online, maybe even less than 10% was done online. Now we're going to shift to 80% online and 20% in person. What a big shift, right? It's like, you know, what happened to the business world, you know? One time we used to go to the shops and buy in the shops, right? We used to go to the store, pick up items in the store. Now hardly anybody goes to the store. majority of the sales go on online. You just order it, and next in the same day it comes in. You know, sometimes it arrives on the same day, right? The item comes to you the same day, including groceries and everything. You see what I'm saying? So... The world is changing. We have to work with it. The GBC has worked out programs, how you can do things online, and really nice programs, amazing programs, even the books. More books will go out now because we're doing it online. You know, So things are going to get better. Actually, uh, last year I was saying this, that, you know, that there's some planets that are moving in a certain way that started around March of last year, finishing around December of this year, end of December this year, 30th of December this year. That's going to cause a great shift and just like 500 years ago, the same planets appeared, and that was the time of the Renaissance. Amazing things happened after the Renaissance. The world became a lot better place. Renaissance was also the time when Lord Chaitanya appeared. 
And we know after Lord Chaitanya appeared how spiritually things became a lot better too. You see what I'm saying? So materially and spiritually, the world did a lot better. So since from 2021 and 2022, especially onwards, we will notice that in this world. It's going to get a lot better. But in the meantime, there are going to be some horrendous things that are going to happen. Many people are going to die. Many people lose their jobs. So, so many things can go wrong in the meantime. So it's like a cleansing time like that. So in this situation, how do we handle our life? One of the key things that we need to do in this time is to band bunch together. You know, devotees take care of devotees, bunch together. When you bunch together, then even if some devotee is having some type of difficulty, the other devotees are there to serve. And then together, they can actually manage the situation better. Of course, if someone uh, is going to leave their body, that's a difficult situation to see someone we love so much leave their body. But at least they will leave uh, with devotees, surrounded by devotees, you know, chanting, things like that. Even if it's not in person, because we have to do social distancing, you know, some people can go, the rest of us can appear by uh, some type of a online program where you can sing online and they can hear, you know, the devotees are singing for this person like that. So, so these amazing things are going to happen. We're actually going to become a stronger community as a result of this situation. We'll end up being much closer to one another, a lot more love and affection with one another. The young ones like yourselves will actually take over the temple in many ways, uh, because now you'll be able to do that. And of course, it'll be done very, very nicely. No, There's no force, there's no uh, extra pressure or anything like that. We're still here. We'll still do service, but the younger ones will be given more opportunity to express their way of doing things and, you know, their ideas. And online, it's who's better than the young ones when it comes to the online None of the oldies can actually compete. <laughs> and since 80% of the thing happens online, well, there you go. Who's going to be doing that? Who's going to be the best candidates for this online presentation? It's going to be the younger ones. And other younger people will be attracted because they'll see their own people are doing it. So they feel connected. When they see older people like me, you know, they feel like oh, that's a bygone era. You know what I mean? That era is gone. <laughs> you know, why are we still hanging around with that era? You know what I mean? Of course, amongst devotees, all the devotees have value in the sense they're respected, they're loved, like that. And so amongst devotees, it'd be fine. But in terms of the general public, the general public wants to see younger people uh, in the front and doing things in a way, they're engaging like that in a very nice way. You know? And so that's going to happen. That's going to be nice, right? People will feel like, wow, uh, Vishesha Prabhu the other day, two days, three days ago, was showing some book distribution. And, and some of the best book distributors are like eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds. You know, they're on the computer at eight, nine years of age, and they're talking to someone. And there was this nine-year-old, and he was showing, he was actually teaching Bhagavatam, nine years of age. And he was showing the Bhagavatam to the person on the computer, and then reading from it. And, and on the other side, what I saw was an older lady, and she was going, oh. Yes, yes, you know, and think to myself, wow, here's an eight-year-old preaching to a 65-year-old. I mean, that's amazing, right? If you think about it, that's amazing. That eight-year-old, can you imagine how powerful a devotee he or she will become? I mean, you know, we started devotion much older. You know, I started age 30, which is still considered relatively young. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Many of us started 35, 40, you know, like that. You know, of course, you all started right from a mother's womb, so you're very fortunate. But you know, like that. So, but you know, the outreach 
course, kirtan is great outreach, but also, you know, being able to talk to people so that they can, like Giri does, he does such a nice program at the college, you know, meeting people in person. They feel very inspired when they meet somebody in person, including online. You can see the face, you know, see the person, talk to the person like that. So these are some amazing uh, programs that are, are developing, and, you know, we're going to might be much better off. We've got about eight minutes left. Were there anything that you could see on uh, on Facebook? Any questions anybody has? Or, uh, do you have any questions, any of you, or would like to say something? Please. Nothing showing up. No? Okay. Very good. So, you know... Um, uh, in terms of the organization that I was talking about as far as the temple is concerned, uh, we're creating a program where many people can get involved in doing what we're doing. And so I'd sent out an email to, uh, you know, the older ones asking uh, if they had any comments, and some of the youth also got it. Um, those I had the emails for, you know. So uh, many comments came back, wonderful comments came back. You know, you gave a comment as well. It was very nice. So... You know, those comments were looked at now by the people who are going to be, you know, looking after things. And then all of you will be incorporated into the programs so that, you know, you can actually do programs and do things in a way that really works for the majority of the people. Um, and like I said, the online program, the Internet program is going to be very powerful now. Uh, and a lot of you have been doing things online. So for you, it'll be very easy. And the best part of it is you don't even have to come to the temple to do it, right? You can do it right from the home. So that's a great advantage because now, the other thing is that up till now as devotees, we tended to reach out to people in our neighborhood, right? Like say Dallas-Fort Worth, about 10 million people. But when you're online, you reach out to the whole world, right? So now we'll have congregation, Dallas congregation, sitting in China, sitting in Russia, sitting in, in, in Europe, sitting in uh, Africa, in Australia, New Zealand. I mean, how exciting will that be, right? To have congregation all over the world. You know, it's amazing. And, you know, people are going to think, wow, we thought this pandemic was really bad, but many good things came out of it. And that always happens. In the worst possible times, some of the best things come out at that time. Because it's the human spirit, you know? The human spirit is about security, it's enthusiasm and accomplishment, you know, like that. You know, so they want to do things like that, that secures them better, that gives them more enthusiasm to do things, right? And then feel more accomplished in their life like that. So that's going to happen. So Nityananda Chandra, you wanted to say something? No? We're fine. All right, so we'll end the program here. We'll do some more kirtan. Can we do that? We can do a little bit of kirtan. It'll be good. At least we can do some more. It'll be good. It's always good to end a program with kirtan, you know, Krishna's names. So thank you very much. Vanchakalpa Turbhishya, Kripasandhubi Evacha, Patitanam Bhavanibhya, Vaishnavibhya, Namonama, Anantakodi Vaishnava Brindaki Jai, Shri Radha Kalachanji Ki Jai, Shri Gaur Bhakta Brindaki Jai, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Nitai Go Premanandi Hari Hari Bo.